Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Haven't changed my name in the years we've been doing this. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to the show. Have you changed your names in the years that we've been doing this? No. Not that I last checked, no. Well, there, there you are. So none of us have played in Hollywood yet, although no. there are those that might disagree. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever go Hollywood. Uh, so we want, anyways. Get, we want to get everybody's input. We are talking about putting together a panel that would be presented at some of the Comic-Cons and different things that we go to on doing the show. In fact, we might even be able to produce some material at these shows and have you be on the air with us. So what do you think about that? Let us know. I mean, you know, it's uh, <laughs> something that could be really cool. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. Weigh in on that. So we've got a lot going on this week. We're going to be talking about operating systems. We're going to be talking about other things. Got a lot of details in the news. But one of the bigger topics that is out there that there's been a lot of interest on that's becoming our next segment because you've asked so many questions as 3D printers and some of the amazing things that they can do. And we really are only able to hit, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg to use that expression. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that we can talk about in our time here on, on these, these amazing technologies. So what I'd like to do is encourage everybody, send in stuff that you have 3D printed, stuff that you have designed. We're not going to steal it from you, but we'd like to showcase it. We're in the process now of putting together a brand new website for the show, and we're going to have a lot more opportunity for everybody that listens to interact and be a part of what we do. So listening is great, but being involved is even better. So think about it. Let us know what you've done. And if you have something really cool that you'd like to have showcased, send it on up. All right. What do we have in the news this week? Stanford engineers invent a solar panel. Get this, that generates electricity at night. Mm. Yes, and before a comment is made that that's not possible, it actually completely is. This is a total physics thing, and uh, something that really, when it comes down to it, is, is, is just amazing that you can do it. But when you look at it, not really. And to give a bit of an explanation on this, again, this is 10,000-foot view, kind of literally here, is during the day, a solar panel receives sunlight from the sun and converts it to power. Nothing unusual there. We've probably all used them from a calculator to powering our house. Mm -hmm. But there's about a billion people on Earth that don't have access to a power grid, for whatever reason. And they can power their stuff during the day, but that kind of leaves them out in the cold at night. This type of technology aims to change that. And what's going on here is anything that exists at a temperature above absolute absolute zero, emits energy. So what you have is a situation here where your solar panel has that same kind of capability, and what they're doing is exploiting this. They use something called a thermoelectric generator, and what it does is it captures some of the heat flowing from the warmer air to the cooler solar panel and converts it into electricity using that methodology. Hmm. Fascinating. So it converts, it creates a lot less energy than the sun would on the solar panel, but it's enough to do certain things. And sensors, all these different type of things, some of the lights you might see alongside the road, having some energy in your home at night where you don't have to have the batteries. These are all things that this kind of technology would be possible to do. And the other thing that's cool about it is because it is solid state, 
It doesn't wear out like batteries after a certain number of charge cycles. Twitter says it's testing an edit button. Yes. You know where this came from. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Elon Musk is now the majority shareholder of Twitter and has joined the board. And the first tweet he put out, which I had a little bit of trouble comprehending. Uh, yeah, uh, I know. I had to explain it to yeah, you. I, I don't times. know why it is either. I think maybe maybe I'm a computer and I just don't understand stuff like that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it says, do we need an edit button? Yes or no. And everything's misspelled to kind of push home the idea that maybe we need an edit button, except I, yours truly did not understand that in the slightest. But, uh, <laughs> and I'm going, what does this mean? What's wrong? Is the is the monitor screwed up? You know, but uh, and this is coming from the guy who's dressed as Emperor Palpatine, and people are going, "Hello, Senator," and he didn't get it. So <laughs> I don't have any memory of that, Senator. Anyway, so mm-hmm. um, bottom line here is they have been prototyping new features. The idea of an edit button was not due to Elon Musk's uh, post, which was also on April 1st, which was kind of interesting. But it is something that they've been testing for a while. It's part of its paid service, Twitter Blue, where this will be a feature. Now, what I find interesting is I have been unable to find specifically what this edit button will do, because right now, if you put out a post, there is an undo button, and you can use that to edit your post. So it is possible at this point to edit to some extent. So this probably takes it a step further. And I know the paid features that they've been talking about in the past is they're not taking anything away. Everything that you can do on Twitter now, you'll still be able to do. It just adds some things primarily for business and commercial use and also to create another revenue stream for Twitter. And this has been a bit of a controversial thing. You think, you know, I'm going to have to pay for social media. No, we're not going there. But we are adding some additional features for those that would want them. So that's where this is going. Now, exactly what the edit button would do that's different from the undo and edit button that currently exists, I guess we'll find that out. First, autonomous X-ray analyzing AI is cleared in the EU, which is also the European Union. Yeah, there's all your uh, acronyms Mm. that I know you love. Yeah. So what this is is an AI, artificial intelligence, that is able to look at x-ray results and be able to analyze them and according to the white paper on it as well as a human that would normally do that and a human technician that looks at the x-rays right and where this kind of stuff is very beneficial it's not taking it away from the human to doing it there's still going to be a need for that but it's the fact that the precision and also quantity that can be done by a computer are much greater Mm -hmm. so Where this would really come into play, from my understanding of the technology, is that the AI is able to look and identify anomalies and things in a much faster, more efficient way than the human would, and then that's sent to the human when there's something that needs to be looked at. So it could end up creating a situation very easily where things that would go normally undetected are now found and can improve quality of life, prevent a problem from becoming much more involved before it's identified and so on well it could also work for a second opinion exactly. you know for your 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 chiropractor who's looking at the x-ray and not sure and needs that second opinion exactly well, then maybe exactly. you can go to this ai and the other thing of it is is where automation really is a good thing right now especially with the war in ukraine and these type of events is to be able to have some medical technology that does not have to be run by a u- human in a place that would be dangerous and allowing people that need it to be able to access it where otherwise they couldn't. So there's a lot of different reasons 
where the convergence of robotic, AI, and human technology in the medical verticals is important. And I think this is just another step in that direction. Crooks used RAT to hijack super users at India's Mahesh Bank and stole millions. Yeah, so this is an interesting story. And we talk about the fact that right now there's a huge concern about cybersecurity and cyber hacking with the war and Russia and everything from that standpoint. Uh, it's gotten worse and we've seen hacks. I mean, the last couple of years of our show, we could have had a hack a week if we really had wanted to. This is hmm. very, very pronounced. But most of our institutions, certainly the reputable ones, are doing whatever they can to be able to block it. Firewalls, the idea of phishing software, intrusion detection systems, and so on. But now we have this bank, which is in India, that chose to do none of those things. And guess what <laughs> happened? They got hacked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so they had no they had nothing in place. They they had a firewall, but the license was invalid. <laughs> there was no phishing protection at all. There was no intrusion det- detection system. And criminals made off with millions of rupees. Imagine that. Mm. So this is an example of at least try. Because if you don't, well, you're going to have a You're problem. asking for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, RAT stands for Remote Access Trojan, and it's a piece of software that was sent as an attachment to an email to get into the system. Vizio TVs are now showing banner ads over live TV. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. Okay, so what this is, is they're testing this on Vizio TVs. It's a technology that's been out there for a while where the television is able to identify what you're watching and then send advertisements accordingly. It also does other things, logging it, ratings, all of that kind of stuff. So what they're doing is these kind of dynamic ads that you can watch a live television show on the air, and it actually overlays that, or you can watch something on Hulu or something, and the television will overlay that with a commercial that's not part no. of the original broadcast. So I no. know how no. everybody's going to feel, but let us no. know. we got a great show for you this week. We are going to be back after the break. Stay tuned. This is User Friendly. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We got a lot of questions in when we were talking about 3D printers and the fact that car manufacturers are using them to build parts and all that type of thing, and then that AI and robots can interact with them and that you actually don't need a human. But what about where you do want a human? Now, Jeremy, you have used 3D printers for a long time. I think the longest of anybody I know. Yes. And <laughs> what? let's actually just start at the very beginning. Why did you get a 3D printer and what overall do you do with it? Uh, I wanted to be able to print miniatures for uh, D&D because I saw some really cool designs online and I wanted to have them, but the only way to get them was to, be, to print them yourself at the time. And then you had a friend had who, a- who was kind of ha- down on her luck and she had a used 3D printer right? and she offered to sell it to him. Yeah. So I bought that 3D printer, which was a contained unit that required special filament uh, and I had to mod that and get some electronics and you you helped me do all the soldering uh for that little computer board that rewrote the the um, little ir chip 
Okay, so, okay, so let's actually, let's actually back up and talk about that a little bit because I think there's a lot of people where that was just a bunch of techno babble. So mm. what we're talking about here first to start with is 3D printers use filament. It's kind of like the ink in your paper printer. Right. And these come on rolls, and it's basically a kind of plastic or other material that's used to actually create the 3D printed object. Now, and they're not all the same. Yeah, they're not no. all the same. Like, like everything else, the manufacturers want to keep selling you ink, or in this case, filament. And they make it in such a way that a lot of printers will only take specific filament made by a specific manufacturer. So, again, it's the idea if you have an HP printer and you want to refill the cartridge, uh, they make it as difficult as possible to do it sometimes where there's a chip and all the rest of that. And 3D printers are the same way. So what Jeremy was talking about is uh, we removed that feature. Yes. we Actually, we, we, hack, we hacked it. Yes. Because I had to 3D print parts to contain the electronics and the, to a spot to put the little IR tag underneath the reader. Because usually when you put the, the roll of filament inside the machine, it had to be a certain size. So the, the roll is a lot smaller and a lot denser, and it had to have a little chip inside the roll. So I was basically um, like scamming it and saying, hey, this is, the, this is the roll, this is the size, this is how much material is on it. And then we had to like run that through the outside of the machine with some extra hoses, and it worked. It, it printed well until uh, it got really clogged up once. Uh, the nozzle got clogged, the extruder got clogged, and I had to replace it. And then I had to update the software, and it didn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And then at that point, we got you kind of an open-source 3D printer, I remember. Yeah, I had to build it myself. Which is kind of it arrived like an IKEA box. Right, it's right. kind of scary. Cold flat, cold flat 3D printers. You know, it's yeah. yeah, it was cool. <laughs> so, but, but I I've really, in, I've really enjoyed using it. It's been a lot of fun, and it's kind of frustrating at times. But if you realize that you have to keep some some stock spare parts on hand, like I have a a ton of nozzles. Just in case, because the nozzles get clogged and there's right. nothing you can do to clear it. And those so little you, those little flat sheets. Yeah, the the print beds. Because we we you got me the upgraded uh, magnetic bed, and I love that. It is so cool. Well, I also but remember some, the first time we tried to use that, we ended up jamming the extruder into the bed and creating. Oh yeah. A, 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 well, let's say a well, it was like we're, print. we're yes, supposed to calibrate it, and the machine went nuts, and it just <laughs> jammed its nose down and went. Rah! Yeah, well, you're like, oh, that's because I, I wasn't able to level the bed. Yeah, and that was like oh, that was like an act of Congress. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm a little worried that the next time we move, uh oh, <laughs> it'll, uh, it, it'll be fine. I'm I'll, I'll, I'm going to hand carry it. It'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> so, what you can do with 3D printers are amazing. They were talking about technology where they can print medical implants. Yes. Food in some cases. Listener question that's come in is about the idea of, is it possible to 3D build a house? And it absolutely is. This is actually being done a lot. Yeah, yes. I've seen videos of this big, giant, I guess it's concrete the extruder. It's a concrete printer. Yeah, and it just does this big, you know, and it's yeah. kind of cool. I think it's in some place. It's like Africa? Yeah, it, Africa, the Netherlands. Yeah, the Netherlands is a big place for this. I know, and they might have done it by now. I'd have to check. My information's not that current, but I know they were planning to 3D print a bridge. Oh, that'd be cool. So, you know, these type of things work well for that. And the other thing that's interesting, too, is in the United States, we have a housing shortage. And you can 3D print a house for the material about $4,000 at a cost, which makes it a lot more reasonable. Now, of course, that doesn't include finishes and all the other stuff. It's just the structure. But it's still a lot less than it is to do a conventional build. 
and something that can also be done a lot faster. Huh. Yeah. So I know the pictures of these printers are absolutely amazing and certainly is something that's that's kind of cool to look at and just see how it works. And then the next question that we get asked a lot is how do you make the 3D models to print? And I know, Jeremy, you've had some trouble with this. Yeah, I, for some reason, the 3D software, I, I, I watched the videos, I've tried the tutorials. It is just not sticking in my brain, and I right. don't know why. It doesn't seem to be intuitive. No. Right. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's weird. So there's this is actually a split thing, and having to learn this recently myself, you've got some different steps that you have to take here to actually make this work. The first thing is you need to have something to design the 3D model in, a CAD, computer-aided design program. There's a number of these out there. 3DS Max is a commonly used one. Blender is one that's open source and free that works quite well. Fusion 360, Tinkercad, some others. And those are all different ones that will create the initial model. So then, is it is it are those anything like the old um, 3D uh, AutoCAD? AutoCAD's, an, AutoCAD's another one. Yeah, CAD is. Okay. Uh, there's similarities between all of these, uh, a bit like the, the difference between Word and OpenOffice or something. So okay. the capabilities are similar, but one costs a lot, one doesn't. Some have very specific applications. But in, if you have worked with CAD software, it'd be a lot easier for you to pick up these kind of programs because it is CAD software. It's just for okay. 3D prints. And you build it out in that, and then you need a second piece of software that is an intermediary called a slicer. And this is something that gets a little bit, it's less understood, but it's actually not that difficult. What it does is it basically converts the 3D image or the 3D object into a language the 3D printer can understand. So it takes what you've made in your CAD program, sets it up to work with your 3D printer, and then that creates the actual file that you send to the printer to make the object in the physical model. So those are the two pieces you need. And with that, and you can get this all open source if you use Blender and mm -hmm. find a slicer software that'll work with uh, uh, your printer. And there's a number of these out there too. Utilimaker is one of the more universal ones. Put those together and you should be able to make your own 3D objects that will come out on your printer. So, and I mm -hmm. think there's a certain amount of artistic skill required in this too, just to do the CAD right, I would imagine. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you're going to have to be able to visualize the object, which it's taken me a lot to learn how to do that. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm getting better at it. But I, I've never had that artist eye that a lot of people mm -hmm. do. I know you guys do. I, you know, can barely draw a straight line, much less a 3D model. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Oh, I did take sculpture. Yes, I did not. So there you are. But anyway, some basics on 3D printing. Kind of a cool thing, and a lot of people are having a lot of fun with this, but it's also being used very much in a commercial environment. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we endeavor to give you answers. First question that's always asked is, how do you send us your questions? Well, you can do it by phone, 503-766-6264, online, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, or userfriendlyshow.com. What questions do we have this week? How's the new Star Wars LEGO video game? 
I don't know, you're Jeremy. The person, you're the person that's been playing it. I've <laughs> I've heard some things, but you're more hands on. What what? Give us your opinion. Okay, um, it's been 20 years since there was a, a complete saga game. So like there was one a long time ago, and the graphics were nice. Now there's a current one that just got released, and the graphics are are much more amazing. However, there's a lot of glitches. <laughs> Yeah, that's what like, I um, <laughs> the If you have a Jedi, the lightsaber handle disappears, but you still get the blade. Wouldn't that be <laughs> somehow hurt? I, I kind of like the yeah. picture that you showed me the, um, of, of C-3PO's head floating yeah, the, around. The bodies disappear. The heads disappear. Uh, there's some animated characters like, you know, having a discussion during a cutscene, and their faces are missing. Wow. But the, the characters in the background who have faces that aren't talking, they're fine. So there's just a weird, weird stuff, but it's it's a lot of fun to play. There's just it, the glitches just make it weird. <laughs> I, I assume they're probably going to fix this, but uh, I would yeah, hope. You know, like all of these things, they can send out updates and, and deal with it. But uh, we've had a few games come out recently that have been really bad when they start, and then they have mm. all gotten better. But you know, right. that's that's interesting. All right, well. Uh, is this something that you would get on your PlayStation? Is a computer? Is a tablet? It's it's so so far it's been for all the all the different gaming platforms. Okay, so, so PlayStation, Xbox, and so on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think Will Smith resigning from the Academy was an overreaction? Yeah, we have had a lot of commentary on this since this happened, and for anybody that may not have seen it, um, what happened was Will Smith <laughs> and Chris Rock had a little bit of a difficulty. At the award yeah. ceremony, Chris made a joke that was uh, very negative to towards his uh, uh, Will's wife, and Will reacted by punching him. Slapping. No, he, he slapped, slapped him. Slapping Big him, difference. Slapping him. Yeah, slapping it him. was a slap. Yeah, Open yeah. hand. But nevertheless, this is what happened, and there's been a lot of people weighing in on this. And I know from my own standpoint, when I first heard about this, it's like, I, I it took me some time to make up my mind, because my biggest thing with that was just simply it certainly was in bad taste i think from both actors ends they could have handled it a lot better but the other side of it is is it does take two to tango and in this case when you look mm-hmm. at it and hear what's going on while reacting violently would be considered an inappropriate response i kind of get what upset him you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'd have to agree with you on that and mm-hmm. i i kind of think that um it's this is a matter that should be dealt between Will Smith, Jada Pinka Smith, and and um, Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Rock yeah. I keep wanting to call him Kid Rock. Sorry. No, <laughs> totally very, different. Very different. Very different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Chris Rock, and once the 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 problem has been settled between the three of them, then once everything's cool with them. Then everybody else needs to just chill out. Yeah, I kind of agree. and let it go. I agree. And I think they're else. making a big deal about something that doesn't need to be that big of a deal. You know, and the thing of it is, is both individuals <clears throat> are very talented. I mean, yeah. I, I've always thought Will Smith is an amazing actor, and Chris Chris Rock has some great stuff too. Uh, and this being about Will's wife, you know, it's just it was just a bad situation. And I agree with you that Chris declined to press charges. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding, they have talked it out. I have no idea what the reality is and what's just been published. But at the end of the day, I, I do agree with you. I think it's something that the fact that it was done on national television kind of really blew it up. Kind of. But it was just it was it was just one of those things that was just bad all the way around, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, how many people attend Emerald City Comic Con? 
or San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, question on attendance. These are some of the bigger shows. So just to give it by the numbers, Emerald City publishes 98,000. That's a lot. And San Diego says more than 160,000. Wow! Now, my, I, I yeah. believe I believe that that I place was crowded. Yeah, places are, both of those were very crowded. The yeah, last they, time we were and there. they are, and both of them handle it well, though. I mean, there's a lot of people, but you can still get around. It is packed, but it is, with the exception of being yelled at if you stop for two seconds to put your hat on, um, uh-huh. <laughs> it is uh, it, it is actually handled very well, and they have to do that. I understand. It's just a matter of. Uh, for me, um, San Diego's a little too crowded. Yeah, yeah. Although I would like to go again. I don't think I'm going yeah, to this year, yeah. probably next year, but uh, we'll get that. All right, this is User Friendly 2.0. Time for a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Our Tech Wednesday this week was talking about some new features that Microsoft is bringing to Windows 11. Mm. And some of them are, you know, no-brainers, I would almost put it out there. One of them is that File Explorer is going to finally get tabs. Oh, good. You can switch between different parts of your hard drive without having to reopen the app in different windows. It's I don't know why they waited until now. But I'm glad to see it coming. But one of the other things that they're coming out with is something that's a little bit creepy, in my opinion. And Mm -hmm. what it is, is a part of the operating system. And the way that it works is if you're presenting a meeting or talking on like a Zoom meeting or Teams or something, the software has an AI that will make it look like your eyes are always looking at the camera, no matter how you move in the frame. That's weird. And it kind of has this almost dead look to it. So if I turn my head around, do I still see my eyes? No, your eyes would have to be in the frame for it to work. Okay, that's good. if you move from that standpoint, although, you know, that might be an interesting little Halloween adaptation. I'll have to see if I can do that. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, it's it's kind of an odd thing. So the question is, is the whole idea of an operating system. We get question, listener questions in on this kind of stuff all the time, and it's, it's a good week to go over it and see where all this came from. So the operating system, in a very broad sense, is the piece of software that allows your computer to work. Mm-hmm. And this can be things that we know about, Mac OS, Windows 11, iOS, Android, those type of things. Operating systems exist in a variety of different ways. Smaller devices, like a smart home device, might have some version of an operating system that just allows it to do whatever it needs to do. But it's the ability for the computer's hardware to know to do things like going to your hard drive to boot up. Mm-hmm. That's part of your BIOS. That <laughs> loads the software operating system like your Windows or your Mac OS that then comes in and has, among other things, the basic functionality to make your monitor work, put up information, open and close windows, manage things. I'm really oversimplifying this, but it is that's what it does. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it makes sense. So without that, you wouldn't be able to do much with the computer because you wouldn't be able to interact with it, and neither would your other software. So in modern operating systems, they bring a lot of utilities and applications as a part of the overall unit. So things like what we were just talking about with the eye tracing Stuff Mm -hmm. like being able to browse your files. All of that is applications that run within a given operating system. But 
It wasn't always this way. And if we look back at where all of this came from, we started with punch cards. We've heard a little bit about that. So to turn mm -hmm. on the computer, you had to flip switches or later use punch cards or magnetic or paper tape to boot it up. Mm -hmm. And that developed into some of the first operating systems in the 60s and 70s that were so different from each other that nothing could talk. And the operator would have to completely relearn from scratch to move to a different platform. Yeah. So that didn't work too well, although it was a step above flipping switches and punch cards. So in the late 60s, we saw the first one that we might have heard about called Unix. Yeah. And this was the granddaddy of really the operating system that runs the Internet. A lot of us use Windows and Mac, but Linux, or Linux, depending on how you say it, is used really for most internet operations, servers, and that type of thing in one form or another. And this is the basis for things like Red Hat, FreeBSD, OpenBSD, macOS 10 and mm -hmm. newer is Linux-based. And it just it goes on from there. So that started with Unix, and that started in 1969. Mm. So that was before we saw it for the first time. Then we jump ahead. There's been a lot of different things. 1973, Xerox came out with Alto. Was not very successful, but gave the idea of an operating system containing utilities. Also was the first one to look sort of like a Windows layout. And yeah. it worked. Then you had the Apple II. And the Apple II and Apple DOS, Disk Operating System is what that stands for, <laughs> became a standard and then three years later, Microsoft came out with MS-DOS, which ran the Windows version of it. Both of these were very similar. You got a list of your files. You had a command line interface, is what they call it, where you type in a command and it does something. No graphics yeah. yet, but it was a standard. So as long as something worked with Microsoft DOS or Apple DOS, it would run on the given computer. Okay. And this was a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is just, uh, it was just, that's where everything took off and stuff started to standardize a little bit. And we saw a number of different variations with that that came out of it. Next Step was one that was a project from Steve Jobs. He had left Apple to do this. This was in the 80s. Hmm. Uh, I've never really played with it. I've heard of it, uh, but it's not something that I ever had in front of me. But the one that we were talking about earlier from Unix was the first version of Linux that came out in 1991. Version 0 0.01. Hmm. <laughs> okay. And still text-based, that kind of a thing. You were starting to see Mac OS, or what would become that now, on what we would call maybe a Mac Classic. Yeah. Where you actually had a mouse and you could point at things on the screen. That was a huge step forward on Apple's end, which gave them a lot of market dominance because it was so much easier to use than a command line. Well, of course. You know, and you were able to do a number of different things. And, of course, Windows, not to be outdone, in 1992 came out with version 3.1 of Windows. So it had existed before that, but not very widely used. It was kind of like this thing that you didn't know what to do with, really. Three point, the Ataris had, had that stuff, too. Yeah, Atari computers, Commodore, Amiga, you know, all of these different things built on a standard so that if it worked with that standard, it would work with their computer. 95 was Windows 95, and hmm. everything kind of went from there. And... That is what's brought us into where we are now with Windows 11 and the current version of Mac OS, iOS, and Android, and some other things that are still out there being worked on. But those are the primary operating systems that we see. Now, some of the where this is getting a little more unique is things like Chrome OS, 
which is capable of running a very inexpensive laptop that's designed to work online but doesn't have a lot of overhead. So in that type of an environment, it's great if you're just browsing the web or checking email or something like that. Very easy to use, standalone machine, limited to what it can do and does require internet access to work beyond the basics. But then so do most of the others. So anyway, just a little bit of a snapshot of where all this came from and what an operating system is and answer some questions. And see something that we kind of use now on a day-to-day thing that goes back a lot farther than we might think. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly. You know, when you look at nostalgia stuff like the history of operating systems, and you know who the geeks are because I love stuff like that. Mm. Uh, (laughs) It is amazing to see the kind of time and energy and development that's gone into all of this and what it's taken to get us to the point where we are now because we take a lot of things for granted that just weren't part of the system not so long ago. So we tend to talk about just with the pandemic and stuff in this segment and not having a lot of events to go to, even though that's ramping back up some of the things that we've seen on television and streaming and movies and whatnot. And I know there's two, I think these are series Moonlight and Jurassic Park. Yes. Moon Knight is a another Marvel series. Uh, it's running on uh, Disney, Disney Plus. Plus, which is odd because right after I had to re-log in, and set my parental controls so that I could watch some mature stuff, it showed up. Um, which is okay. kind of odd. But, um, yeah, the character's crazy. Yeah, kind of. He's got disassociative identity disorder, so he doesn't remember all the things that he's doing. But as a Marvel comic book character, he's he's like Marvel's Batman. He's a really rich guy, dresses in a weird costume. He's rich? Um, he didn't seem like he was rich in the first episode. That's the thing. Okay. Um, he is in the comic books. He's an he's a um, an adventurer, mm-hmm. mercenary. Oh, he was in Egypt doing something. There was a problem. Um, he was like left for dead or got screwed over, and now he and he stumbled into the temple. Mm. So that the you know yeah, there's all that. So there's it's a really good first episode. You guys will really like it. And it's cool. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is. He did a really good job with this. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think he needs to be patted on the back. He mm-hmm. did a good job of acting freaked out, confused, and utterly perplexed. Yeah. And the other fun one, we, we since we really love animation, we've been watching the uh, Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous, which mm-hmm. is a, a series on uh, Netflix. It's uh, basically six kids win a trip to uh, Jurassic Park. It's like right after the um, the movies, so they've got a, a, a theme park reset up. They've got you know uh, this is like a camp for kids, so they're testing it out. And of course, the whole place goes goes completely nuts. The kids get left behind, and so these six kids have to figure out how to survive on Jurassic Island. Okay, so that sounds. I like Jurassic Park and. Yeah, and it's watch. it's not a kid series. There's lots of there's lots of jump scares. Okay, 
Um, the dinosaurs kill other dinosaurs. There's, you know, there's not a lot of blood and guts, but there's a lot of things where you, you know, that dinosaur is now dead. <laughs> it's, it's a good teenager level. Yeah. That sounds, sounds good. So Moon Knight on Disney plus Jurassic Park on Netflix, Netflix, please bring back Star Trek, the next generation and until next week. This is user-friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-friendly 2.0 copyright 2014 to 2022 user-friendly media group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the user-friendly media group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by weirdtechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.